Our readings for today is taken from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16, verses 11 to 40. And if you're using our church Bible, you can find it in page 898 to 899. We have copies of our Bible at the back if you can get for yourself. Yep. From Troas, we put up to sea and sailed straight for Samothrake, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Theatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house and she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men were Jew are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet with the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chain came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought, the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rustled and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believed in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, 
he and all, and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. This is the word of God. Okay, is this okay? Great. All right. Well, thank you for reading, Celine. Uh, thank you, Chewy, for praying. It means I can start straight away. I'm going to read out a list of names of people. And if you know what they have in common, can you raise your hand? Aaron, Amos, Christina, Jumi, Susan, Michelle, Albert, Edwin, Sybil, James, Rita, Ian, Julian, Grace, Cindy, Brady, Barney, no one? Okay, yeah, sorry. They're a family, yeah? yeah? Okay, but that was not it. Michelle, you were at the back. <laughs> Andy. That's right. I paused there because I think if I'd say Jana, Hannah, Anson, Jay, and Kelvin, I'm sure you would know. But yeah, these are all the people that we've been baptizing in the past two years. And I don't know how you found last week. Is it, wasn't it so encouraging always? Here are a few individuals, and they have been rescued. They've been saved. Uh, they didn't know Jesus before, but you know Jesus came into their life, and they've, yeah, they're rescued, and they were baptized or reaffirmed in their faith. And I find it always so encouraging. Now, why is it so encouraging? Because you can see that God is at work. And so often we, we live our life and we are busy with our jobs and with our families and we, we, don't just see, we just don't see that much happening. Maybe little things and God helps us, but we know the real thing that's happening, of course, is the, the Great Commission, right? That is what Jesus left us with, go and make disciples. And to see people come to faith makes you, yeah, God is still at work. He may not be saving anyone around me, but here at church, I can see that. And that's always so encouraging, all right? Well, today, 
I think this passage, it, it feels a lot like a baptism service, isn't it? Uh, here, sorry, here's the uh, picture, our baptism services. Because we see, well, three stories of people being saved. I mean, they got baptized straight away, but if they would be baptized a few months later, this is what people would hear in the service. Here is Lydia, and she tells about how she went to the place of prayer, and there was this uh, foreign missionary, Paul, and he explained about Jesus, and she came to faith. And then there's the slave girl who talked about how she was set free, and then the jailer who talks about the earthquake and these very strange prisoners who were singing hymns and everything. And they were all saved. It's a, it's a beautiful collage. Uh, today, Luke doesn't just say, you know, Paul went to the city and lots of people became Christians. No, we get stories of individuals, gospel pictures of people being saved that I hope will encourage us. I think uh, if you're here and you, maybe you're not a Christian, I hope you can see yourself in that. Here are a few ordinary people who've come to Jesus. But also as a Christian, that you would feel encouraged as you see God at work in people's lives. And maybe that we even would learn from them. I don't know, sometimes someone tells how they became a Christian and someone told, uh, says, okay, well, there was this Christian who did this. And you hear that and you think, oh, good on you. That's a good idea. I should try that, right? That you just hear, okay, uh, that's something I can learn from. So apart from encouragement, I hope we can learn a few things. Especially maybe if you found the, wor- the book of Acts not that relevant to your, your work or your family. I think you ha- we had that question from someone, you know, Acts doesn't seem that relevant to my normal job. I hope as we go through this, you will see later, yeah, actually, my job is really significant. We're going to see that. But let me just go through the story and then step back and see what Luke wants us to, to see and learn. Now, we did Lydia last week, uh, this woman who uh, heard the gospel at the prayer meeting. But today we get introduced to a slave girl, uh, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Some kind of spirit that meant she gave these utterances and people paid money to hear and know the future. And and she started following Paul. I don't know, did she want help? But she, she followed them, came to the meetings, You think that's great, apart from the fact that she was constantly shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. Uh, And Paul, uh, after a while, he got annoyed and uh, and stopped it. Now, I think he was more than annoyed, though. Um, I mean, it sounds very good, right? Servants of the Most High God. Good advertisement. But you need to remember, this was Philippi. Uh, who is the most high God in Philippi? Well, it, it's Zeus. So you'd have people, uh, people thinking, well, these are servants of Zeus, which is, of course, not what Paul wants people to think. And then, even then, do you want an evil spirit to advertise your meetings? Yeah? I, I don't think we'd want that. Would you want a shot in church recommended by Satan? No. <laughs> right? <laughs> so Paul, uh, he's not just annoyed, he's troubled. And he, uh, yeah, he casts out this evil spirit. 
And I think um, even though he then gets dragged off to prison, I think we should see this as a conversion. Uh, this girl was rescued from Satan. Uh, she was brought to new life. It doesn't mention it, but most miracles in Acts, they are copies of things Jesus did. And whenever Jesus uh, set someone free like that, they started following Jesus. Uh, Mary Magdalene, very famous follower of Jesus, yeah, who was released from demons. Uh, the guy in the gatherings with the 2,000 demons that went into the pigs, he started following Jesus. And so, yeah, I think we should see this as a conversion. And it, this girl must be so happy, right? She was free. Before this, she was an object, just there to make money for her owners. And now she was free. Although, of course, the, uh, the owners weren't happy. Yeah, they, uh, they lost their income. And so they, uh, yeah, they, they get a mob. Uh, they drag Paul and Silas to the authorities. They accuse them. They uh, hand them over to the jailer. Uh, it's interesting that these are not Jews. These are Gentiles. And so far, usually when things go wrong, it's Jews causing the problem. But Luke is honest. You know, sometimes it's Gentiles. Persecution can come from uh, anywhere. But uh, they go to the jailer. We don't know much about him. He puts them in the stocks, in the, the inner cell, eh, verse 24. When he received these orders... He put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks as deep as possible, as painful as possible. He was probably a retired Roman soldier, good at hurting people. So there you are. It started as a nice day, then they cast out this spirit, and now they are in the stocks in the deepest dungeon. What would you do? Well, what did Paul do? Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I mean, can you believe it? They, they weren't crying, they weren't complaining, they weren't angry. They started to sing. And everyone heard it. You know, it was probably the only singing in the prison that they would ever hear. Although it didn't last long. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Uh, clearly a big miracle, uh, very quick and precise. All the chains break, all the doors go open. And uh, yeah, I guess the prisoners, they are, they're not stupid, right? Here are people singing hymns. Next thing, the prison opens. They, uh, it's not a coincidence, they, uh, they don't run away. Uh, the jailer, he notices it. He comes down, he wakes up, and then, uh, yeah, this tragic, uh, he drew his sword and wanted to kill himself. Because, yeah, of course, he had completely failed his duty. The prison was open, the prisoners gone. Oh, no, they were not. Verse 28. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. They're all there. And, uh, whew, and, yeah, you can imagine how convicted he now feels, right? He's put these people in the prison. He's hurt them. And now they could have escaped, but Paul was still there. And Paul saved his life. And so, yeah, the famous question. He rushes to them. Verse 29, uh, verse 30. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
Clearly, I need saving. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Yeah? They uh, believe in Jesus. That's all you need to do. You need to come to Jesus. He is this man. He died. He rose. He offers forgiveness if you come to him. And uh, yeah, we get this wonderful scene where he takes them home. They preach the gospel. He washes them, their wounds. They wash him. He gets baptized. And it ends with great joy. Uh, he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Uh, so much joy because now he was saved. This man who knew nothing about the true God, this Roman soldier, probably retired, now a believer, part of the church. And the next day, yeah, Paul and Silas get released, although they do make a bit of a fuss for, you know, we're Roman citizens and you've done this to us. But, but there you have it. You know, Philippi, three wonderful testimonies. Lydia, the rich businesswoman, uh, the slave girl, and the jailer. Now, what does Luke want us to see here? What, what, what really strikes you as you see this picture of the church? I think what is amazing is that they're just such diverse people. They're so diverse. Right? Here is a rich businesswoman and then a slave girl. Right? So completely different ends of the social spectrum. Uh, two women and a man. I mean, we've had a lot of men in Acts uh, and the apostles and stuff. But here, you know, two-thirds of the converts are, are women. A bit like our church, like most churches in the world. And uh, yeah, the, the jailer, probably Roman, the girl from Greece, uh, Lydia from Asia. We've seen Jew and Gentile before, but Luke says, no, no, the church is, is it's not just Jews and Gentiles. It's men and women. It's the rich and the poor, slave and free, all together. That is the people God is saving, everyone. And, and, and they're just ordinary people. We don't even know the slave girl's name. We don't know the jailer's name. Just ordinary people whom God loves, whom God kind of chooses and comes into their life and they're, and they're saved and now they're a church together. Isn't it a wonderful picture? That, that's what God is doing. It's what God is doing here. Look around you. Here are not slaves but a very big social range, men and women, different countries. It's, it's beautiful. Just like yeah, those baptism services with all these different people. That's what God is doing. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, clearly you will fall somewhere within this spectrum. This is also for you. Don't think, well, I'm not like this. I couldn't come to Jesus. Everyone can come to Jesus. You can be forgiven, have a new start in life, be saved, have a relationship with God. Just come in and talk to me more if you'd like to know more. But I think the question then, as we see all these different people that I would have, Oh, we don't always see that today. How do we reach those people? How do we reach so many diverse people? Because that is, I think, partly what Luke wants. And Paul is no longer around to do the evangelism. It's our job. 
And as we see these different people here, actually they get saved in very different ways. And I hope we can learn from that. Because for some people, it's easy, they come to church. Lydia was probably one of the easiest conversions ever, right? She already worshipped God. She came to this meeting along the river. Paul just had to go there and explain the gospel, and she believed. And that was it. No uh, big efforts needed. And you know, there were people like that. You know, you invite them to church, and yeah, they love to, and they come. It's great. Or, we don't, or they don't even get invited. James and Sybil, they just showed up one day. Yeah, we like to reconnect with our faith. They came, they kept coming, they did Christianity Explored, and they believed and they were baptized. And we just had to have a service and explain the gospel and that's all. Now that's great, isn't it? It's wonderful to see that. For some people need a bit more help. I mean, the slave girl, she came to the meetings, she came to Paul, but she needed a lot of help. She was uh, enslaved. And uh, just telling her the gospel wasn't enough. The demon had to go. Uh, we don't see many demon possessions here today. I, I, rem I know one person that I once met that I'm pretty sure was demon possessed. But you can imagine if a prostitute would come here. She would need more help. She wouldn't just need the gospel and come back next week. She would need a lot of help to escape that world, escape that life. But the person Luke focuses on and I want to focus on, how about those who don't want to come to church? Because the jailer, he didn't come to church. He had no interest. He was just, you know, doing his job, living his life with no interest at all. And there are a lot of people like that. A few years ago in the UK, we had this survey and they asked, you know, a big group of people about, you know, do you go to church? Do you like to go to church? What would make you come to church? And two-thirds of people, they couldn't think of any reason why they would ever go to church. You know, uh, if your family member would start going, would you come to church? No. If your friend invited you? No. If you were bereaved or unemployed or difficult? No. War, terrorism? No. They, would, they just, nothing would ever make me go to church. And, and that's half of all the adults in the UK. How can you ever reach them? How can we make sure those people hear the gospel? I mean, maybe that's your work, your workplace. I don't know if people are dying to come to church. Uh, your family. What can we do to help them know? Now, in some ways, of course, they need a miracle. Right? Someone becoming a Christian is always a miracle. Clearly here, you know, this, this earthquake is a miracle. And yet there are a few things that Paul and Silas did that paved the way, that helped that miracle. And that's what I, I want us to see. And hopefully there are things that we can do as we want to see more people respond First of all, well, be out there, right? It's obvious, but the jailer didn't come to church, so they had to go to him. Now, thankfully, God arranged it, right? God got him arrested and put him in prison, so that was easy. 
Um, same for most of us, actually, though. Most of us, God has already put us somewhere, right? He has put us maybe in a workplace. That was his choice to put you there with people who don't know Jesus. Um, he has put you maybe in a family where people don't know. God has already been at work. Maybe if you were, were in a, a links group in autumn, we did this course called Life on the Frontline about, you know, God has put you somewhere and he wants to use you there. Now you're living your life surrounded by people whom God loves and who don't know him and God wants to use you. That's wonderful. Yeah, but, but you are already there. So for many of you, you know, look around. It's God can use you where you are. It means your work is important, right? You think I'm being an accountant somewhere in an office and that doesn't matter. Well, God has put you there. He wants to use you there. It's important that you're an accountant and not just sit at home. Although for some of us, of course, we need to make choices. You know, if you're like me, you work for a church. You know, uh, I only work with Christians. I need to go and meet other school parents or join a choir or those kind of things. But it's not just be out there. Be distinctive. Paul and Silas, well, one thing that really helped was that they were so different from everyone else. Why didn't the prisoners run off? Because Paul and Silas were there singing hymns. These guys were so different. They were singing hymns when the miracle happened and that made everyone stop and wonder what's going on. I mean, if they had just complained like everyone else, they would have run off. And being different, it's important. I mean, people don't come because they think it's not real, right? Christianity is just not real. Except when they see your life and they see that you are different, they will notice something. They will notice, actually, this is real. And I'm sure you have stories to tell. For me, I remember uh, I was in London when the terrorist bombings happened, uh, 2005. And, of course, everyone freaked out because, you know, bombs on the underground. And my colleagues, they were all going crazy and uh, trying to get food and sleeping bags. And uh, for me, well, you know, if God wants me to die, I'll die. And if he doesn't, I don't. And, you know, the, yes, terrorists, there are sinners in the world. I know that. And so for me, I was just pretty calm. I just did my job. And I had various people who just, why are you not afraid? How can you be so calm? They noticed something different about me. And that gave me a chance to, to, to say something. And which again means, yeah, be, let's try and be, let's live a Christian life out there. And it means again, your work is significant. You can be a godly accountant amidst all kinds of worldly accountants. It means you will stand out and people will notice something. You can be a, a godly helper rather than a worldly helper, and people will notice that about you and ask questions. Be distinctive. Thirdly, I think it's part of being distinctive. What I notice, Paul is willing to suffer. He's willing to suffer. I mean, what would you do? You're in prison, and your chains break, and the door goes open. Clearly, God wants me to run away now right? Paul didn't. 
he even gave himself up to the jailer. Here's the jailer and he says, hey, I'm still here. I mean, he could have got rearrested, right? He could have been put back in prison. But no, he was, he saw what God was doing and he was willing to, to suffer, willing to give himself up and, and trust God in that. He, he sacrificed himself in a way for the jailer, right? He was willing to go to prison again, but he could save the jailer's life. And that is so powerful if you are willing to sacrifice for someone else. I mean, it's what we love about Jesus, right? What is the most amazing thing about Jesus? That he came down and died for his enemies, for sinners like us. Isn't that something that touches your heart every time you think about it? That Jesus suffered for you willingly. And, and, and Paul showed some of that to the jailer and that was something that yet made the jailer realize, wow, sir, you must be special. What must I do to be saved? Uh, an example, if you did life on the front line, it was such a beautiful uh, story about this uh, food safety inspector who came to a bakery and the bakery completely failed, had to be cleaned and he said, look, you need to clean this bakery this weekend, otherwise we need to remove your license on Monday. And the guy just, I, I, I've got something family this weekend, I really can't do this. And so the inspector said, well, give me your keys. I'll take care of it. And so the, the baker went away. The guy called his small group and they spent the whole weekend cleaning the bakery. And when he came back and he kept his license and the bakery was clean, wow, again, and he came to church and was converted, wonderful. But that was because these people were willing to sacrifice. I mean, this inspector had no reason to help this baker. Just, he sacrificed his weekend. The whole small group sacrificed their weekend when they could have had a rest. They could have spent time with their family, but no, they, they sacrificed for someone they didn't know. And he got saved. Uh, being, look for opportunities to sacrifice, to go out of your way, to go the extra mile for people. And that is so different from the world, and it will speak. And finally, of course, you know, take the opportunity. Yeah? When there is an opportunity, speak. That's what they did. Yeah? Good sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, next week we have this meeting down the river. Please come. <laughs> no, of course not. Hey, you, you, they told him right away, believe in Jesus. I hope you can do that. I hope you can speak of Jesus when the time is there. It's great that, you know, we've had 20 people do training how to do Christianity Explored one-to-one. -one. So you, you can do it in your office with people. They don't have to come here. You can do it there. It's great. But these things, yeah, were little things that Paul and Silas did. And otherwise, I think the jailer, yeah, wouldn't be where he was now. And that's wonderful. And it's such a joyful chapter, all these people being saved. The last verse, Paul and Silas came out of the prison. They went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Here is the jailer and his family. There is Lydia and her household. There's the slave girl and more people who were saved. There was now a church in Philippi. God was at work. He used Paul and Silas and Wonderful, wonderful picture. I, I hope we want that, right? I hope we 
would love to see more baptism services. We'd love to see the church grow. Well, some people will come here, but for the rest, let's be out there. Let's be distinctive. Let's be willing to suffer and, and see what God will do through us. Right? Why don't we, yeah, why don't we pray about that and pray that, that would, God would do that? Father, what a wonderful picture. Thank you for your love for humans. Thank you for your son coming to die to give us eternal life. And thank you that even now you are bringing people to you all over the world, people who are so diverse. I pray that we would play our part, where we can be distinctive, would we do that, where we can take the opportunity, would we speak, and would you use us, would we see people who don't know you, who have no interest in you, convicted that you are real and that they need you. Thank you for yeah, your, your spirit, thank you that you are the God of power working through us, and we pray for much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.